Hey, why don't you turn around, give somebody a high five or a hug next to you, make sure they feel welcome. Maybe even a fist bump. If they look shady, just, just turn them to go the other direction. We got friends in Cancun, from what I understand, or Cabo or something watching right now, too. Love y'all so, so much. Got individuals all over that are joining in with us online. You need to know that we are in your corner, believing for God to do great things in your heart and in your life. Today is a wonderful day already. Again, a huge Merry Christmas. We just read this passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 2. And it goes on and it talks about these magi, these wise men, and them following this star. They keep following this star and eventually they find Jesus. But, but you and I both know that they didn't actually find God. I mean, really, God found them. One of my favorite books is a book called The Pursuit of God. It's by a man by the name of A.W. Tozier. He wrote this book back when, you know, you didn't get called pass interference penalty for every single touch, you know, in football. Because it's, it's, it's back in those days. It's when you went across the middle and you were afraid that somebody was going to hit you back in, back in those days. And, and, and he wrote this uh, in the very first chapter. Of, the, of, of this book, again, that I love, called The Pursuit of God, he says the, the Christian doctrine teaches, or the Christian faith teaches a doctrine called prevenient grace, which simply means this, before a man or woman can seek God, God must first seek that man or woman. It carries with it the understanding that all of us, if we have an urge in our hearts to pursue God, it is God who put the urge on the inside of us to pursue him in the first place. That you and I are not the initiators. God is the initiator. Jesus says it like this, as Tozer writes, he, he, Jesus said, no one can come to me except the Father First draw him or her to me. This, my friends, is the truth of how all of us even ended up having any inkling of a desire for God at all. We didn't find God. God found us. Some of us, he, he found us when we were a little kid. And you had a mom or a dad or a grandparent that was bringing you to VBS and you were eight years old and, and you remember uh, them sharing some stories with you about who Jesus is and, and all he had done and you gave your heart and your life to him at that very young age. Others of us, it was we went our own way for a minute. <laughs> Kind of did some crazy stuff, made some mistakes, have some Facebook posts that we wish we could delete, but now they're out there forever. But still, in the midst of all of it, God found you on a college campus when you were in grad school. Maybe it was a move. You went from one city to another city, and God found you there. Maybe it was the prayers of a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a cousin or a brother or sister, and they helped you get to that place where, where you remember giving your heart and your life over to God. Uh, and maybe it was not a family member. Maybe it was a tragedy. 
There was a divorce. You found yourself at your wit's end, not sure which way was up, not sure if you're going to be able to put one foot in front of the other, but God found you in that place in the midst of tears and pain and difficulty. And he said, son, daughter, you're not alone. Others of us, we lost a job or we had a business that was booming and all of a sudden the economy changed and, and we're at the bottom of the barrel trying to figure out which way is up. And God said, hey, now I have your attention. I can, I can grab a hold of you. I can speak to you now because the pride that you used to have is no longer blocking my voice getting to you. It, it can be a host of different things, but it's still how God finds us. It's not always on the mountaintops that he finds us. Sometimes he uses the valleys. And we're walking through confusion. We're not quite sure. Now, maybe some of you are going, well, but Earl, Earl, listen, the Bible says, you know, when, when they found the child, when they found the child. And I, I would say I, I understand what the scriptures are saying there, uh, that they found the child. But I just would submit to you, how do they find the child? They followed a star. And I ask you, who put the star in its place? What God did is he said, I'm going to put this star here. Then put a desire inside of you, wise men, to, to figure out what's going on with this star, to even want to search out the king. Do you see how God is the initiator? He's the one that has taken the first step here. Uh, for, for Christmas, our family loves hide-and-go-seek, Okay. We love it. I don't know how it got started. We think it got started when Parker was like five years old. And Parker was like, can we play hide-and-go-seek? And we were like, sure. And he kind of sounded like that, too, because he was five. And now he's 18. He's like, hey, Dad. And I'm like, man, you better change your voice, OK? <laughs> There's only one voice like that in this house. <laughs> but uh, he, was, uh, he was five years old. And we just started playing hide-and-go-seek. And, and now it's a tradition in our family on Christmas Eve uh, or Christmas Day, we are going to play hide and seek. So, I mean, we two bedroom, one bath. I mean, you can't hide anywhere, but we would figure it out. And now my, my mom is, is hanging out with us. My brother is in uh, from out of town. And now we've got three kids. We've got Parker, Grayson, and Elle, and all of us. I mean, it's, it's a fun, fun time. We're hiding, we're hiding. Last year, Grayson was like underneath the kitchen sink with all the pipes and everything. Didn't even take out any of the brushes. Uh, cascade pods are in there. And somehow, he's still there. Under, he's, he's big, too. He's got these big old feet. And he's in there. We're like, what? How did you even contort your body to get into that place? I mean, we take this seriously. We do not want to be found. One year, Parker was sitting in the garage. <laughs> so uh, we've had to put some rules in place, no going in attics <laughs> and things like that. But the goal for us is to not be found. Well, let's say when I'm, I'm playing with, with one of my little kids, like when Elle was, was, was tiny and we're playing hide-and-go-seek, I, I could hide in such a way when she's four that she would never find me. But then there's a way you can hide where you're trying to be found. It's like you're behind the curtain, but you leave your whole leg out. <laughs> you cough. Because the goal... When you're playing 
with your little daughter or your little son or your little niece or your little nephew is not to hide forever. The goal is for them to find you. And I just need us to know that what God has been doing with our lives from the very beginning is going, <laughs> he's been using so many things and so many people and so many situations to try to get your attention. He has been trying year after year after year to say, son, daughter, you're not supposed to be wandering through life for your own glory, for your own fame, and for your own name. No, I designed you for something much greater than that. You've been designed to live for my name and my fame and my glory. And what he's been trying to do from the very beginning is get you to find him. But he's not a long way off. He's been calling you from from the very beginning he's the one that fashioned you and formed you in your mother's womb he's known you before you even took your first step and that same God today is saying men women older people younger people married people single people I want to be found by you I brought you to this moment so that our relationship and connection can go to a whole new level where you and I can turn from going our own way, turn, repent, turn from our own life of sin, our own life of, of, of selfishness, our own life of elevating us. Say, God, I want you to have it all. Now, now I, I do want to say, make a quick note to Christians because I recognize there's some people online and in the room and you're not quite yet, you're not yet a Christ follower. Um, but there are a bunch of us uh, in this room and online who are. So I just want to say this to you. Make note of this, that the wise men did not see the Savior first. They first saw the star. That is, God wants to use you, Christians, to be a star, to point someone who does not know him to him. And if you don't understand your role, you might think you're trying to get to, you're trying to point everybody to you. But you're not trying to point everybody to you. So your posts, they're not just about you. The way you carry yourself, it's not just about you. The way you treat people, it's not just about you. I'm talking waiters and waitresses. I'm talking your boss. I'm talking your employees. Come on, don't, don't get too quiet on me now. I'm talking how you and I carry ourselves in this life. Has everything to do with whether or not people are going to look at that star and go, I want to follow where they're going or I want to go another direction. So you keep being mean and critical and nasty. No wonder no one wants to follow you anywhere because they're like, wherever that's going, I don't want any of it. But there's something powerful about a star that understands its role. That I'm here to hover as close to the Savior as I can possibly get. So when people show up at me, I'm actually just pointing them to him. I, I, if you keep on reading through this text, the, the wise men get to a place and they say, um, where? is the one who has been born king of the Jews. Where is he? What jumped off the page at me is the question that they had. 
Uh, I, I know sometimes uh, in church, and maybe you are a part of a church like this, where questions weren't really allowed. <laughs> like, where did God come from? Shut up, boy. <laughs> um, wh wh who made the Bible? Just be quiet. Just read it. And you have these questions that are legitimate questions. People are like, shh, 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 shh. Just, just take it. And yes, I'm all for faith and what God can do in our hearts and our lives. But questions so many times can be, can be pushed, pushed down. But here we see them going, where? Like, I, I see the star, but I don't have all my questions answered. I'm still searching. Some of us today online in the room, you're still searching. Like there's something going on in you. I need you to understand that, that, that inquisitiveness that's on the inside of you, uh, that, that, that investigative side of you, that is actually God saying, son, daughter, yeah, 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 come on close. Come on closer. Come on closer. Come on closer. I've got an answer for you. I'm trying to take you somewhere. But I, but I want to I give us fair warning, if you will. I say having questions is good. Being questioning can be toxic. Have the questions. But questioning, uh, it can lead you away you don't want to go. Uh, how many of y'all uh, in this room right now online, I can't tell, but, uh, you can put it in the chat if you want to. How many of you are single, but you want to be dating somebody? Put your hand in the air right now. Just kidding. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. Don't have to. Some of you are like, this is my moment. I wore this outfit for this moment right here. I pray the Lord told me this was going to happen. <laughs> Sit down, ma'am. Sit down. No, just kidding. There's nobody standing back there. <laughs> you, uh, if you start dating someone and you have questions, that's good. Where are you from? You have any siblings? How's your credit? <laughs> All legitimate questions to be asking somebody. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Uh, now, now, if you're asking those questions, appropriate. If you start questioning, it takes the relationship to another place. Uh, where are you going? Who are you going with? When are you going to be back? Where were you? I was at 7-Eleven. <laughs> I'm getting a Slurpee. But, but you can feel like there's just... That you're, you're on the other side of some investigative report or you're being cross-examined by the prosecution and, and, and you don't have any right answer, that's probably not a relationship you're going to be in much longer. It's not a problem with the questions. It's with the questioning. Some of our marriages, right, you need to write this down. The problem is not you're asking questions. The problem is you're so questioning. Everything's suspicious. Everything you think has an angle. Everybody's out to get you. Everything's always wrong. And I'm just telling you, it opens up a level of toxicity that can eat at the fabric of a relationship. So it can happen with our relationship with God. Just like it can happen with our relationship with peers and friends and, and others in our life. So I'm all for questions. But here's the interesting thing about their question. They asked their question to King Herod, okay? So I want you to see that they asked the right question to the wrong person. Because Herod was not excited about a new king. Because he's king. So what king is excited about a new king? Not very many kings.
So he hears about this, and the Bible says he gets disturbed. The whole city does. Whoa, 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 whoa. We like how things are. We don't need another king. But the Magi come in like, hey, everybody, you've been looking for the king? We're looking for the king. They asked the right question to the wrong person. And I also want you to see that the wrong person actually gave them the right answer. Hmm. The wrong person gave them the right answer. It reminds me of the sovereignty of God. It reminds me how God has the ability, even when we are making mistakes that we don't even know are mistakes, <laughs> that he has the ability to get us where he wants us to go because he is that good and he's that sovereign. That our God has the capability that when you and I were in relationships we, we should have never have been in, that he can say, I'll take the mess of that relationship and I can still use that for my glory. I can take your mistakes. I can use that for my glory. I can take your foolishness. I can use that for my glory. You're doing the best you know how and you end up doing something dumb. You end up doing something stupid and God says, hey, I am so mighty. I am so powerful. I'm so omniscient. I'm so other. I'm so above everyone else and everything else that I can even take your worst mistake and I can turn that thing around for my glory. That's the God that we serve. He does not take you out and throw you out like you're a piece of trash and say, since you made that mistake, you're done. I can't do anything with you. No, my friends, you look at Moses. The man was a murderer. You look at Abraham. He was a liar. You look at David. He cheated on his wife and was a murderer. There are men after men, women after women in Scripture that made mistake after mistake after mistake, but their name is still in the Bible because it was never about them. It was about the grace of Almighty God that he has the power to take even the worst of situations and turn them around. Where is the Savior? Right question. The wrong person. The wrong person gave him the right direction. As a quick aside, let me just tell you, just because someone is telling you the right way to go doesn't mean they're the right one for you. Okay? You can think, well, well, look, this good thing is happening. Oh, okay, I'm glad something good happened there. But, but don't keep going back to that well too often. You better be careful. When God extends that hand of grace... Let's just go ahead and go, thank you, Lord, and let's go ahead and move on and get on his path. Don't keep playing with his mercy and grace. Don't treat it as cheap. Don't treat it as common. Don't treat it as ordinary. Treat it as precious because God reaching his hand and his arms out to you. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? So now they're they're on their way. And they finally get to the spot, Matthew chapter 2, verse number 10 says. And they see the spot where the star is and it's over the house where Mary is. And the Bible says they're overjoyed. They are, they are fired up. This has been a journey that has lasted quite some time. This has been a journey that has had many toils and 
uh, tails and snares. This has been something that has taken them every which way, and they've gone to Herod, and they've searched around. They've been trying to figure out. They're reading the stars. They're trying to read the scriptures, talk with leaders, and they're, they're trying to figure it out, and finally, they get to the place. I, I want us to see that the star for them was a place, of a beacon of hope. It told them, keep on going. It told them, don't quit. It told them, don't stop. That you're not there yet, but don't stop. You, you, you haven't reached your destination yet, but don't quit yet. Like, like you're, you, you still have some steps in front of you, but, but don't you dare stop where you are. And I just pray that the hope that the wise men had when they looked at that star, that today with me with my crazy pink pants, I would be able to be a star in your life to say, hey, friend, keep on taking one more step. Let the serve team that was at the doors, the parking lot people that were at the doors, the camera people that are helping our online family, let all of them be a star just saying, hey, we put all of this together, the reindeer and Santa and cookies and milk, not for you just to feel good, but for you to have hope that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And we don't want you stopping where you are. We want you putting one foot in front of the other. And if you've been wanting to give up, my friends, today, let it be the moment where you get faith filling your heart, not just faith in you, but faith in an almighty God that has the ability to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, or even imagine. Don't you dare quit right now because it's hard. There's too many lives on the other side of your yes. There's too many lives on the other side of your obedience. There's too many lives on the other side of you sticking through this thing. We need you to have faith. We need you to keep trusting God. We need you to keep holding on. We need you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because they get to the place. They get there. They're overjoyed after this long, arduous journey. And then they say, I got to worship. And Jesus, you can have all these gifts. Let us be a church online in this room. I says, Jesus, I didn't stop. I wanted to. I wanted to. My heart was heavy. I didn't know I was going to have to bury that person. I didn't know I was going to have to deal with that giant. I didn't know I was going to have that type of confusion. I didn't know I'd have this wrestle. But by your grace, I kept putting one foot in front of the other. And I've ended up here. And I just want to worship you. And give you every single gift that I have. This is what God is calling us to. So let hope fill every one of our hearts, every one of our hearts. Let peace fill every one of our hearts. But not peace and hope as the world gives. The one that comes from our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. If you wouldn't mind, friends and family, online, in the room, bow your head for just a moment. I want you to bow your head just for a moment, just so you can focus. It's, uh, there's nothing mystical or magical about bowing your head. I, I just want you to focus. And You might have a, a kid running around the room right now or a child on your lap. I just, I just want you to focus for a second. 
And I want you to think about where are you with God? Where are you in your relationship with God? Are you first in your life? Or is Jesus Christ first in your life? Are you number one in your life? Or is Jesus Christ number one in your life? Are you on your own path or are you on God's path? I just want you to know that today was a day online in the room that God was saying, I want to interrupt your path and say, son, daughter, it is time for you to give your heart and your life to me. If that's you, you have never given your heart and your life to Jesus. You've never made him first. You've never made him number one. Or maybe there was a point in time in your life you did. You were following God. You were going his direction, but you've gotten off that path. You took the steering wheel back and you've been Go in your own direction, and today you're saying, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way on the count of three. Online, in the room, I want you to do something simple, but something bold. If that's you, you've never given your heart to Christ, or at one point in time you did, on the count of three, and you are ready to surrender or re-surrender your life to Jesus, I want you to throw your hand in the air, on the balcony, on the floor, online. Ready? One, two, three. Just throw your hand up in the air. You're saying, yep, that's me, that's me, that's me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. That's me. Thank you so much. That's me. That's me. That's me. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. This is awesome. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. Every person. And I want all of us to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I made mistakes. And today... I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we lift our heads up? Come on, all over. Clap our hands with joy. It's a moment of change and transformation. Getting on a whole new path. 